about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. With a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Keep me up here. Come a little bit shorter. Um, so tonight's, uh, sorry, tonight's second uh, reading comes from uh, Philippians 2, 19 to 30. You can find it in the handouts that you got at the door. Uh, so Philippians 2, 19 to 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Thanks again. Well, good evening. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here at uh, Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church, and uh, I'm glad the Erskineville is still in that name, and uh, I th- thank Matt for, uh, for speaking well of that. Um, if you're online, great to have you with us as well. Uh, this is a great passage, and I would have so easily looked over this passage if I was just reading through Philippians, because it just feels like a bit of a kind of, you know, historical logistics kind of, I don't know, communication because we've just left behind in chapter 2 some of the, the most extraordinary parts of Philippians. So if you're new tonight, I'll just run you through some of that stuff. You know, Paul has reminded us 
chapter 2, verse 5, to, to be in our relationships with one another, having the same mindset of Christ. And what's that like? He takes us straight to the gospel. This Jesus who gave up, uh, you know, in being very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but gave himself up for us. Became obedient to death on a cross and was exalted by God. Paul, after that, reminds us to, to press into that reality. When even things are, look like they're going to crap, we are not to grumble because we are part of a glorious reality made known to us in Jesus. And then Paul reflects on how he has been pouring himself out. This is 17, verse 17 of chapter 2. Pouring himself out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from their faith. Here is a picture of the Christian community called to live like Jesus in extravagant, sacrificial ways. And part of you go, wow, that's such an inspirational picture of what I'm called to live like. And the other part will go, how the heck do I live like that? What I love about this passage that we have before us that we would so easily skip over is it paints a picture of the testimony of two men who are going about ordinary things as it were, everyday lives on display. And I love that they're in the passage here in Scripture to show us that it's within reach, that we might be able to live these beautiful Christian lives. And it's my hope tonight that it's a great encouragement you to press on to embrace this partnership that we're called to live and experience and that we might go about sacrificial, uh, other-centered lives. Now, if you have sort of just joined us tonight, um, we are in the Philippians. Um, it's, a, it's a letter that Paul has written to a church. He's in prison. Uh, Timothy, I'm, I'm going to this, this testimony of these two guys. Timothy is like a son to, to Paul. He found, Paul found Timothy in Lystra. Uh, he was living with his grandmother, who was a Christian. And Paul took him under his wing and trained him up to be a disciple, uh, kind of a leader in the church. And Paul looks at Timothy like a father looks at a son. It's a beautiful connection. Epaphroditus is another guy who's been sent from the Philippian church to kind of deliver a care package to Paul. It's kind of that simple. And here we have these two characters on display. And what I'm going to do tonight is do keep your scriptures open. I'm going to pick out some bits and pieces that we might let the testimony of these two men kind of shine. So I'm not going to go verse by verse per se, but keep your scriptures open. And I want us to see what it looks like to live out these beautiful Christian sacrificial lives of service, and I want to also let them unpack our motivations that drive us to live these Christian lives. So, first of all, um, I want us to see that we need gospel relationships. And the way I want us to see that is actually to focus on Paul for a little bit here in his relationship with Timothy and with Epaphroditus. Paul, I think of as like this, I don't know, the Thor of evangelism, like sort of cops are beating, get shipwrecked, beaten, in prison, but gets up and keeps fighting for Jesus. Uh, but when I look at him like that, he just becomes so out of reach, like this superhuman that I just can never live up to, that kind of Christian example that only crushes me. But what I find in this passage is Paul kind of lets his guard down a little bit, and in this everyday sort of logistics conversation that he's written down, we get to see some of the things on his heart. So he talks about, in sort of verse 19, what, what cheers him. Uh, we get to see in, in verse 25, he talks about taking care of my needs and being grateful for that. He acknowledges that he has needs. Uh, verse 27, he talks about 
Uh, the fact that Epaphroditus nearly died and, but didn't, and he was spared of sorrow upon sorrow. It's a very emotional way of putting it. He talks about how he, ha- he would have less anxiety if Epaphroditus is reunited with the Philippians. He's talking about these very emotive terms. He's kind of, his heart's on the line here a little bit. And you, when you think about it, he is in prison for Jesus. He, he might die, he might not. That's a pretty real situation. And there's no thaw here. There is, there is a real human here with a beating heart. And we see that on display. And I love that because it reminds us that, that in our humanity, we're to be dependent on God and we are to care for ourselves as we serve. Paul needs Timothy. He does not send Timothy back to the Philippians, even though they would love to have this kind of like little Paul back preaching and teaching with them. Paul basically says, I'm going to keep Timothy because as, as he is a son to me, he, he, he's an encouragement to me. Paul recognizes that he has needs, he has boundaries, he has limits. And while he's in prison, he needs the encouragement of Timothy to help him press on. Again, I found that so grounding. It's so easy to kind of feel like you've just got to push on. I read a book a little while ago uh, by Christopher Ashe called Zeal Without Burnout. And it was a helpful book because uh, sometimes who occasionally sort of just pushes things to the limit. You, you've got to be able to see that actually that's, that's a mode of not trusting in God. Uh, one of the helpful analogies he uses in the book is of a firefighter who kind of so zealously goes into the flames to kind of save the building, the people inside, that he ends up being consumed by the fire. That's kind of, you would say, foolish. Instead, he paints a picture of someone who takes care of himself as a firefighter so that he might keep fighting fires. That's what Paul's doing here. He's not overlooking his own needs. He's not selfishly keeping Timothy. He's wisely keeping Timothy because he needs the encouragement from a son, from a brother, so that he might keep persevering in the faith. See how human that is? I I love that that's on display here. He's not a go-solo guy. He is a gospel relationship guy. And as he goes on to describe Timothy, I mean, we can see there he describes him as as a son, uh, as though he was a father. But he also talks about how Timothy, verse 21, everyone else looks to their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. This Timothy, he's not like those that look for the interests of themselves, but he looks for the interest of Jesus Christ. Here is a guy who isn't just sort of scratching Paul's back because Paul's scratching his. Timothy has the heart of Christ. And that drives Timothy into the particular needs he sees around him, just as Jesus served those around him. When I'm counseling uh, people to, you know, as they head towards their wedding day, in sort of marriage prep, I, I remind them that they're not to kind of think of each other as completing one another, as though, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You are to both look to Christ, and as you both look to Christ, you might serve one another. Out of the overflow of your love for Jesus, love one another. That's the kind of intimacy that's on display here. And what I glean from that is that we are all called to live these lives of of sacrifice and service towards others. That's kind of an expression of the partnership we have in the gospel. But in the culture of partnership, my hope is that we all enjoy the particularity of gospel relationships with someone who really has our back, someone who knows us. So when we're able to draw into our inner circle and say, 
Look, I, I'm, I'm struggling and I'm sort of, I need to be encouraged as I pour myself out. My hope is that we all have those kind of relationships in, in a culture of partnering together. Now, a church this size, we can't all experience that with every single person. So my hope is that we all have one, at least one person where we can express and enjoy the richness of gospel relationships. But the second thing I noticed from Timothy is, is a word that Paul uses here in verse 22. He says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. There is Paul, sort of the father-like person in this relationship, who looks upon Timothy the son and says, Timothy has proved himself. I've seen the fruits of his labors. I've seen his life in practice. Here is a guy who's dependable, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, practically. You know how we're sort of having a, a, you know, a, a circle of prayer and we're sort of sharing some thoughts that we'd love prayer over and we're all very quick to offer our practical suggestions on how to solve that, prayer, that issue that you've raised. Here is someone who is not just helpful and dependable practically, but who is a spiritual leader, relational leader, uh, emotional, connected. Timothy has proved himself. And it reminds me of actually what Jesus says when he's being attacked for uh, dining with sinners. And he says this in Luke 7. Jesus says, um, he says, wisdom is proved right by all her children. That is what looks like foolishness in the moment. Will be proved and vindicated as good and wise in the things to come. Timothy has proved himself as a faithful steward of the gospel in the way that he lives his life and serves others. And again, my hope here is that we all have someone we can look to in that moment we go, is this really achievable? Can I really live this gospel life? And find an example, a living example, someone who has proven themselves, someone to give you confidence that this is good and, and wise and beautiful and glorious. Reflecting on this very thing has caused me this week to reach out to a few people who I think of in these categories, to say thank you for your example in my life and your encouragement. Uh, with permission, I've got one example to share. I, I reached out to Jo Charles, who, you know, we had a video here last week, and in many ways we are partnering with her and, and Michael as Link missionaries, kind of like the partnership of the Philippians and, and Paul. And, uh, you know, I worked on staff with Jo for a couple of years, she became a good friend of mine, and I said to her, um, I said, you've been a great encouragement to me, and I sort of quickly, oh, encouragement is such a meh word. Uh, you've been someone who's inspired me to be courageous, who has helped me wrestle with complex issues and find a gospel way through. I need people like Joe and other people in my life who, who has demonstrated to me the wisdom of the gospel life, of the sacrificial, servant-hearted life of the Christian. And as, um, as she wrote back, she was talking about what it's like for her to be in partnership with our church. And um, it's probably even, I might even actually share what she wrote back, because I hope it's an encouragement to you. She said this, the handwritten cards you wrote at Christmas, which I think we got in February, were so moving. The phone calls as people are walking to work, messages and photos when you pray for us in church. A Bible study group met up with us via Zoom to pray in person last week. Financial support through CMS means we can eat. Emails in response to our prayer letters remind us we are not alone, we're part of the body. Here is a picture of partnership expressed in real relationships, where we actually know each other's needs and can serve into the particularity of those. My hope is that we cultivate 
a rich partnership of service, of sacrifice, and that we're able to enjoy the particularity of gospel relationships in that with particular people. And that we have these living examples, these models in the faith to spur us on. You might be thinking, how do I get this? I'm sort of, I'm hungry for this, I want more of that in my life. How do I cultivate these gospel relationships? Well, it begins with, as we look at Epaphroditus, from little things, big things grow. I know that's cliche, but we'll go with it. Because Epaphroditus is a really interesting character in that he's just kind of like just an everyday guy. My hunch is that when the Philippians were kind of doing a bit of a, a care package drive, they said, who wants to give this to Paul? And Epaphroditus is like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> he's that kind of guy that's maybe not up the front in the lights. He's the guy who's faithfully going about behind the scenes serving. And what I love about that is he ends up in Scripture as this kind of example of, of just beautiful, everyday Christian service. Because Paul doesn't say, thanks for the care package, I'm sending back Epaphroditus. <laughs> he, he speaks about Epaphroditus as, look at the, verse 25, as my brother, as my co-worker, as my fellow soldier. I mean, Paul lifts him up into high esteem here. I mean, I love that anyone who trusts in Jesus, who's saved by the grace of Christ, is called a brother or sister. There are not sort of super Christians who have worked really hard and get the platinum package. There, there are brothers and sisters in Jesus. I love that. And then there is Paul, kind of the, the super missionary, talking about Epaphroditus the messenger as, as a co-worker, as a person who, at that same kind of equal level. I love that. And a fellow soldier, I mean, that's a metaphor, but here is someone who is described as shoulder to shoulder against those that would oppress the faith, pressing on in partnership, in living out these gospel lives. I love it. But things take a bit of a turn for Epaphroditus, because as he goes about delivering the care package, he gets quite sick. We don't know the details, it could have been a hectic flu, whatever the case, he nearly died. And Paul talks about that as he almost died for the work of Christ. I mean, we might use that phrase for someone like Paul, who was shipwrecked, beaten, put in prison, doing evangelism. Paul talks about someone who delivered a message uh, and got sick as someone who almost died for the work of Christ. Are you getting this? Here is a picture of where everybody is different, in different capacities, whatever the case is, they're all serving sacrificially for the sake of others. And, and all together, these are beautiful offerings to Christ that bless the body of Christ. And Paul tells us to, to honour people like that. Let us, let us notice the way that people are serving in this community. I mean, this is a challenge for us. We sort of, we're at a size where we sort of run a, a, a program. We've got a roster. We've got, you know, all these mechanisms. That's a way of organizing love in the church. But let's keep working on noticing the ways that people are serving. And, you know, I almost want you to imagine that this is kind of like a share house where, where each of us have things to do and we get to, to love each other. And it gets messy at times and things, people forget to clean the toilet and thank goodness they didn't do that here. But there's all kinds of things that happen in this messy share house. But let us take note of that and cultivate this, this beautiful partnership that we have in the gospel. Now, I reckon Epaphroditus would have been pretty blown away to find his name in this letter, to be honoured. Because he certainly, I don't think he did it so that he would be honoured. He did it because he has, he has the mind of Christ. He is, 
he's in his relationships having the same mindset as Christ. And as he expresses that, he finds himself driven with the heart of Christ to, to the needs of others around him. And out of that, he is honoured. But let me take a couple of things as we sort of draw these things together. Let me take this idea of you know, doing the work of Christ, of, um, of having the, the, the interest of Christ, the heart of Christ. Let me put those, these two things together so that we might sort of hammer home what it means to live these lives of sacrificial service. Because my hunch is that when we think about serving, we think we're either not doing enough or we think we're doing too much. We sort of simplify things down to these categories. And I want to just think about those categories for a moment that we might find the gospel in between, the gospel way. When we think about underserving, we think, you know, we might read a passage like this and we're like, oh, I'm just not, I'm not doing enough. I'm not like Epaphroditus. I'm not, not like Timothy. And, and maybe, maybe that is a conversation. Maybe, maybe you are denying people the, the, the expression of that partnership. It, perhaps, you know, as I was reflecting with someone this morning, when we were doing Zoom church, we really did lose something. We weren't able to, you know, express over Zoom our particular needs so that people could serve us. We're just sort of high in the chat space. Everything's fine, great, it's good to see you here. Um, but when we meet together in person, we actually get to understand each other a bit more. We get to see what our needs are and we get a, an opportunity to serve each other. And so if you're, if you're underserving in, in some way, just I don't want to stand over judgment or anything here, but there might be a conversation that say, actually, I need to avail myself more to, to press into this partnership, to actually serve others and have people serve me so that I might experience this, this partnership. But what I find, and I might just say just pastorally on this, there might be reasons why you are underserving, if that's what you think of yourself. You know, I can think of people in seasons who need to be served more than they can serve. And there's all kinds of reasons that might limit that capacity. But, you know, Epaphroditus doesn't pretend to be some kind of epic missionary or kind of some kind of Timothy. He just serves in his station in in small ways. And it's God that gives the growth from there. But it's kind of over-serving that I find particularly interesting. Because ever since I've sort of grown up in the Christian faith, like I've known Jesus all my life, I've taken things like Paul saying, I'm pouring myself out like a drink offering. I look at Jesus' commands to kind of turn the other cheek and to to love the enemy. These extravagant commands to love sacrificially. And in all kinds of ways, I found myself being a doormat or kind of just over-serving, overdoing it. Or there's been other avenues into that space of over-serving. Like, you know, when when you do serve someone and you get a thank you and it gives you a bit of a kick and you're like, oh, I feel really nice. I might serve again. And then you find yourself in a space where you're actually, you didn't mean to, but you're kind of, you're hungering this, this honor that actually ends up driving you more than why you were doing it in the first place. Or it might be that you come into a, a space where with all of your gifts and your awesomeness, you feel like things could be better. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his little book on uh, Life Together writes about God hates the visionary. And I always go, oh, really, does he hate the visionary? But Bonhoeffer's talking about the kind of person who loves a version of community more than a Christian community itself. There's the kind of person who, who imposes their vision over people and tries to push everyone into their vision and actually, in so doing, crushes Christian community. We lose a sense of partnership. We're kind of all about vision chasing. 
Whatever kind of reason, there are all different ways that, that we might end up over-serving. One of the symptoms of that is resentment, burnout, frustration. And again, if you're in that space, my hope is that you have a gospel relationship where you can talk about what's happening in your heart. Because both underserving and, and overserving are these categories that we kind of put over all of this. And both of them are sub-gospel. Because what's in the middle, what's the gospel way here is worship. When Paul writes Romans chapter 12, he talks about our response to the mercy that we've received as, as taking up what it means to live living sacrifices. What we do to serve is not to get your honor from, and kind of receive your praise. It's not even to kind of like try and create a space where I feel valued in the community. It's simply a gift to Jesus first and foremost, and then to you. When we look at that kind of passage from 2 Timothy, uh, the, one, the first one that was read by Gabby, there is Paul encouraging Timothy to, uh, in the gospel, he's saying, uh, don't be timid, but the Spirit of God gives us power to love, to be self-disciplined. But then he reminds him of the gospel. He says this, 2 Timothy, uh, 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. And that grace has been given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, and it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life. Friends, the reason we serve is because we don't have to. The reason we serve is because we have been saved by grace. And the only reason I serve is in response to all that God has given me. Whether you feel like you're underserving or overserving, I want you to find the bedrock of delighting in the God who has served you and to let whatever you do be a response to that. And you're going to find that as you come back to that, that your burdens are lifted and that your eyes are, can see more clearly what's happening around you and that you can respond to Jesus and to others around you. As we worship, as we adore Jesus, we have His heart, we have His interest on our minds. And let's do little things every day so that God might give the growth. And as we, as we do that together, we are cultivating a rich partnership together in the gospel. And in that partnership, it's my hope that we can experience the delight of gospel relationships, where we can really serve into the particularity of another person, given that we know them and their needs. And out of that comes an overflow, so that we might not just serve each other, but a world in need, and a world that needs Jesus. I'm so glad we didn't skip over this passage that we might see that this is within reach, that we might be encouraged to come back and worship Jesus and to serve others. Let me pray. Oh, Father, you are good to us. You have lavished us with grace 
and the gift of your Holy Spirit. Father, some of us might be feeling the sting of being called to serve more. Some of us might be feeling overburdened. Father, let us all come back to worship Jesus and that everything we might do might be an offering to Him, a sacrifice to Him that's then directed towards those that you would have us. Enjoy that blessing. Father, we long to see this be a community that is growing in its partnership in the gospel so that we might serve a world in need. Use us, we ask, Father, for your glory. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing. Let um listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.